I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Welcome, John, to the Brand Therapist. I'm so excited to have you today on my couch, and we will get started with just a few questions about yourself first. I know you're the COO of Doe Anderson, Mm -hmm. and I love how you kind of ended up there. So tell me a little bit about your trajectory around your career. Sure. You know, was five years old, knew I always wanted to go into, into the world of advertising. It's definitely been a journey. I'm in a role right now in a place where I'm super happy. I've been very fortunate throughout my career to kind of go along a, a trajectory that's brought me to a place that I've, I'm really fulfilled in. I grew up in the Midwest in Louisville, Kentucky, and went to college undergrad up in New England. I came back to, to Louisville after I graduated. I had a, a major in government. I worked in Frankfurt, the capital of Kentucky, and I'd worked in Washington, D.C. for a, our senator at the time, kind of doing constituent relations. In a way, my first entry into Doe Anderson, which was my first job, was in kind of the public affairs role. And it was nice because I had learned that through working in government. I didn't really like the idea of working in government because you weren't creating anything. You were living off the taxpayer. And I wanted to be in kind of the private sector and, and, and generating jobs and things like that. Coming into the public affairs side of Doe Anderson was a great place to kind of transition from using my government degree into the into the corporate world. And was a great place to start. Doe Anderson being an integrated agency was just gave you a, a real 360 view. I think in terms of careers, people, you know, you can go into the big agencies, you know, the, the Ogilvy's, the J. Walter Thompson's, and kind of come in that way, which gives you really good experience. But also I think coming into to smaller agencies at the time, Doe Anderson was about 70 people. It was just a really great place to kind of have responsibility to get in, not be too pigeonholed and, and to learn a lot. I worked here for four years. Again, I'm from Louisville, was working in Louisville. I knew there was a bigger world out there. And so I went to graduate school over in the UK and got my master's and in, in, in my MBA and then went to go work for one of those big companies, which was WPP, which is one of the world's largest holding companies. And in that, I started working for one of their brand consultancies called Enterprise IG at the time. It's been rebranded a couple of times as that WPP has grown and bought companies and smashed them together. And that was just a great experience and took me all around the world working for clients that, you know, household name clients, which was terrific. Got a wonderful experience over in, in England. I was there for 16 years. And then I came back, you know, I was in a phase of my life where I had two children over there. I was married. My wife was from Texas, so we were taking family holidays to go visit your in-laws in Texas, which was a drag because your kids were jet-lagged the whole week you were there. They were jet-lagged the week you were away. We had a great flat in London, but to get more space as our second child started walking was going to kind of be you know moving out a little bit further. And then you're sort of like, why are we here? And you're spending time commuting. And so the opportunity came to, to come back to Louisville, and it was terrific. It was just the perfect time, the perfect role. Uh, Todd Spencer, who's CEO here, started at Doe Anderson. We started like within a, a month of each other. He he had been here for 
20 years and, and I came back and we work really well together. So it's just been wonderful. And so I'm super happy to be back. And what I was able to bring back from the kind of global experiences really has been super helpful here. And what it's given me is it was a real appreciation. We've done a great job at Doe of, of bringing people who've had perspectives from LA, Berlin, and London coming back here. So we're able to bring a lot of that thinking implanted here in the US, in the Midwest, but deliver client service that they could also get in, in London or New York, but not paying so much. Yeah, I was looking at the your website and it said building beliefs mm-hmm. for clients and for their brands and for their clients. So what is that about building belief? When clients come to us, they're generally trying to sell something and it's not always a product. It could be an idea. You're trying to get people to believe in something. So I think belief, whether you're trying to get somebody to believe that this toothpaste is better than that toothpaste or believe that this idea or movement is, is better than another one or something that they should be a part of, it is about building belief. And I think that that's sort of the core idea Brand consultancies talk about purpose or they talk about promise. I think from an advertising standpoint, belief is pretty universal in what we're trying to develop. And also, I think the idea of building belief is external. It's got a benefit for the client, but it's also internal as well. You got to build belief in yourself. You got to build belief in your colleagues and have that trust. So it, it really works well kind of as, a, as an internal mantra and as something that is a promise to our clients. Yeah, I love that, which will get us right into what we're talking about now. Let's get into the therapy part of this. Okay. And it wouldn't be a brand therapist podcast if we didn't talk about childhood. Sure. So you mentioned that you wanted to be in advertising since you were five years old. So tell me about how that kind of connected back to your life today. I mean, it really wasn't so much about wanting to be in advertising. It just sort of kind of, I would say, if anything, when I was younger, my main interest was probably more journalism. I was the kid who would read the read the newspaper and kind of always want to know what's going on around me. And I've always just been very attuned to kind of just being very curious about things and wanting to know what's going on. And I think that that's a, a trait that I really look for when I'm hiring people is, is this curiosity. So I think that is something that I w- I've always sort of been interested in. And it's something that kind of led me into that initial public relations side of, of the business, uh, understanding what people are interested in. What is newsworthy? What's shareworthy? That wasn't a term we used back then, but it is, it is now. And so that was something that I was always very curious about. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, like probably a lot of kids in the 70s, watching the, you know, the five television channels that were out there. And I mean, I knew a little bit about advertising, probably from watching Darren on Bewitched, you know, kind of being an ad guy and kind of what he was doing in that show. But but I didn't really know what advertising was, although I saw ads, I saw the jingles, you know, I grew up through all the, the Ronco commercials that were were fed a steady diet of. Well, you grew up at the heart of branding. Yeah, right? it was. It was a much simpler time back then. It was, it, you know, you had, you had a lot less media channels than, than you have today. So advertising was outdoor and I think back to those days, it was pretty much booze and cigarette ads in the outdoor uh, space. You had television, which were a lot of the national brands and, and you know all the jingles that we all remember from back then. You had print and you had radio and, and, tele- and, and television. So it's proliferated so much. So it was nice that you had an opportunity to have a conversation with people that you could have with a lot of people. It was one to many back then. So it's changed a lot. It's been flipped on its head. Uh, in terms of the way communication goes. I just love that. I love the creation side of it. I was always kind of in, so in the journalism and also the creative side of things. 
as, as a kid, you knew what a fireman was and a policeman was and a doctor was. But, but aside from that, you know, all the nuances of career paths, I was just lost on me. I was pretty clueless, to be honest. Yeah, that's so true. Even when I when I decided to go into design, obviously, that was not my first choice. Right. I started thinking about being an engineer. Uh-huh. And luckily, a friend of my father said, no, 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 no. You're not going to be an engineer. Right. It is not the right career for you. So um, found graphic and then went into industrial. But it was it's just interesting how everybody has a different, in those times, a lot of the people who I in my industrial design career work came from engineering. Mm-hmm. So they found the path through being an engineer and then finding industrial design somewhere along the path. Yeah. yeah. I guess one of the things that I've always been comfortable with is the gray area. You know, a lot of the career paths, accounting, engineering, there's a way to do it. And if you don't do it the right way, things are going to fail, you know, it could be catastrophic failures, you know, in advertising isn't life or death, but I think it is, the thing that I enjoy about it is not necessarily having to follow the rule book and being able to kind of think freely and kind of connect this with that and come up with something else. And that's always been really stimulating to me. So that, again, that's something that I think can make it difficult in the management role of advertising where I sit now, because you have all these people who want to, you know, freestyle on stuff. Right, right. But I do think that that is sort of the beauty of it. And it does take a certain type of person to thrive in that environment. Some people really can't operate in the gray area. They need to know what they need to do next. And and if that's how you are, you probably won't be uh, that successful in this space or, or you yeah. might be successful. You might not be happy. In this right. It's important to step into the unknown right. in, especially in, in these kind of roles and responsibilities. So it's a great role that you have right now to found these, the, the operations part of it, right? right? And link it back to how do you live in the operations side in the unknown? Right. I think right. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. You got to be willing to just ride it, you know, and just kind of see where it, where it goes and not get to not try to control things too much, but just kind of shape and, and, and tweak. Because so you're probably the best person actually to have that role. I think so. I mean, I think it's a good, you know, it is something that if, if you need to control everything, you're going to be miserable because this is just, there's so many variables. I mean, I always, the advertising world is sort of the, it's like we're the Galapagos Islands here. We have so many exotic creatures. We've got the creatives, we've got the copywriters, we've got the accounts receivable people, we've got the data analysts. You have so many different types of people who kind of think in slightly different ways and trying to orchestrate them all to do amazing, beautiful work is the fun part. And it, it's it's the challenge, really. It is the challenge. And there's no playbook that's going to tell you how to do it. Right. That's right. So let me ask you this. What is your personal brand about? I think today it's probably shifted. You know, brands evolve over time as things kind of evolve and as you evolve and the world evolves. You know, in terms of branding, I always define brand. I think what's interesting, people talk about brand in a lot of different ways. Yes. Sometimes you mention brand and people think it's a neat, I'm talking about a logo or to some other right. people. For me, I always define brand as sort of the central organizing thought. Like what is that kind of central organizing thought that kind of guides you? And MNC Saatchi, used, I always really, although they're an ad agency, not really known for a brand consultancy, they always talked about one word equity. So if you can boil something down into one word, I think that's really handy because people can remember that. So I, if my one word equity, I would probably say at this point, it is something I'd say it's like elevating. My, my brand is about elevating. And that is partially about elevating those around me, trying to get the best out of those who we have here. And that's not just 
in work, but that's my family life as well. And trying to kind of help everybody become the best that they can be, not be a block to them in, in any sort of way. But I also think in your career, you've you start out and you're not that elevated. You're kind of down operating really at the coal face of things. And that's great. And we need to do that. And we need to learn. But it comes a time in your career where you do need to kind of rise up and look out. And it can be hard. I think a lot of people struggle with trying to kind of remember that they need to kind of take the high view on things and they, and they get bogged down. And, you know, sometimes I see that happening to myself. And so it's just, it's sort of my brand is to try to make sure that I'm, I'm elevating. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you, what's your fame story? We all have a particular time where we felt some sort of fame. Fame can mean many, many different things. For us, fame is honorable and it's what really gives us the legacy that we want to live. Mm -hmm. So what's your fame story? So I think my fame story has probably gone through different levels. Early on in my career, my fame story would, would probably be the thing that I really loved is like when you'd worked with a client before and then they want you back. Like they want, you know, I want John to be working on my account and mm-hmm. getting those sort of like requests, you know, that, that clearly means that there's something in your reputation that people appreciate and want. And I do think, you know, we got to be careful with the term fame because I think fame has a, has a dark side as well. I think yes. fame can be the Paris Hilton, you know, she's famous, but what does she do? You know, kind of the other thing. I'm not really sure. So to me, I've never looked to be famous. I always wanted, I think, to be respected. And, and I think that is, you know, if people like what you do and want you back, that's one side of it. But there is a side of fame, too, that is kind of reaching a, reaching a phase in your career where you are kind of a source for people who want an opinion. Conversations like this or when people in the media reach out to get in, in touch with you to, you know, about your opinion on a particular situation. One of those, my, one of my earlier ones, my graduate school was at Cambridge University and they were kind of going through some rebranding and the Wall Street Journal got a hold of, of this rebranding effort and me working at a, at a brand agency, they, they got in touch with me as, as kind of a, a source for a quote and I gave them information and it was great because it appeared in the Herald Tribune and the, and the uh, not, it wasn't the Wall Street Journal, it was the Herald Tribune and the New York Times. That was great for about a morning and then I got a call from Sir Martin Sorrell, who happened to be on the board of Cambridge University and kind of chewed me out for saying, you know, what are you talking about? We're, we're trying to work on this. It wasn't helpful you know, on this. And so he was like the, the most powerful man in advertising, kind of calling me at home <laughs> to kind of give me I know. It all ended great. And, 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 you know, it was almost good to get on his radar. It's probably not the, the best way to get on <laughs> it. I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is real. I'm, I'm kind of, kind of out there. So, that is sort of a, a sense of kind of, I guess, fame. Maybe in that case, it was infamous. But those things are always good. I think it's just if people recognize you for what you want to be recognized for, I'm happy with that. I love that. And, you know, I think you get attention when you said something maybe appropriate, but not appropriate in his eyes. And that's controversy. It is, and yeah. That's like a fame moment, yeah. Yeah. right? Well, it, because it was, yeah. Our conversation ended with, you know, well, I... What saying, well, I'm glad you feel that way, and I, but but I really do. This is my opinion on this, and I'm happy to help get involved with this. And so he, he appreciated that. I love that. So let's go in a little deeper, and let me ask you, what's your greatest fear? Letting people down. Branding is about consistency and reliability. You know, you buy a brand of, you go to a certain restaurant because you know what expectation you're going to have because of that brand. And so 
drawing that back to branding, it is letting people down. It's not fulfilling that promise that, that I'm making to people. We always talk about your know, brands have to be two things. They have to be compelling and so that people need to want to engage with them and they've got to be credible. And if you're compelling but not credible, you're a poser. And if you're credible without being compelling, you're a geek. So, so you know, I, I want to be compelling and credible to, to people. So, Right. All right. I love that. Yeah, that makes total sense. And was there something in your life that you felt like, I think there, there probably has been as you went through your lifehood, but something that was holding you back. Can you remember a moment of a certain memory of something that was holding you back? Again, I, I want to be be careful on answering some of these questions because I've, I've been somebody who's walked through life with the, you know, I, I, I'm, I haven't had the barriers that a lot of other amazing people have had in, in this world. So, I mean, I came from a good family. I was well-educated, you know, I, I had all the privileges. And so I think I got to be careful in answering questions like that. I do think that if anything was holding me back, it was myself. It was me holding myself back. And, yeah. and I think that that was probably playing it safe, not wanting to step out too far. Again, it kind of goes with that, not wanting to let people down. But I think it's probably been me just playing it safe. I think as I've got older, I wouldn't say I've become more reckless or anything, but, but, I, but I do realize, I think I'm, I'm able to make more calculated steps further out. You know, we would talk about step, hop, leap. You know, I'm probably in the, in the hop space right now. But <laughs> I'm not going to be reckless, but, but I think that has been something that has kind of probably held me back. But yeah, there's nothing. I'm really fortunate. I've had a lot of tailwinds in my, in my career to kind of get me, get me where I am. I love that. It's always that positive thinking that really keeps us moving forward. Yeah. I know a lot of us don't get where we are today without somebody who's mentored us or give us some, some sort of advice. So who has been that person for you? I mean, you don't have to give them the, the name, yeah, but yeah, sure. who has been that there for you and helped you through these? I went through some executive coaching and it was a fascinating process of kind of stripping it back to what were your kind of great experiences in your career. And it really went back a lot of, for me, it went back to my, my first job, which is, which was had nothing to do with what I do now, you know, ostensibly, but it was, um, it was a summer camp counselor. And I was a camp I went to in Michigan for many years. And the head of the camp, the camp director was a former special forces officer, but he was, he was not the, you know, get down and give me 20 push-ups kind of guy at all. He was just a real solid, strong person. And he really wanted to challenge people, you know, and up until then, kids weren't really challenged that much. And it was challenges in terms of like pushing yourself and seeing what you could do. So he developed this camp program where every year you go on more and more challenging backwoods types of adventures. So you're, you know, ultimately you're climbing really high mountains and you're, you're in the woods for four weeks. I think the way he kind of tutored and what I learned out of that experience was really good about, you know, it was really challenging people. You know, people want to be challenged. People don't want, I mean, look at young kids, you know, they want to be challenged. They don't want an easy ride. It's, it's, and I think, as adults, we're the same way. And, and I think that's the thing that he's been, a, he was, was a mentor to me. He's, he's since passed away, but he just taught me a lot about kind of his management style. And he was also very, he was an educator as well, too. So I thought that was, you know, that he was, he was a professor. So that was something that I just thought really got a lot out of that experience and something that I've kind of kept through all through, through mine. That's interesting because I had a, when I was doing my yoga certification, my teacher, he would say, the more you push yourself, you get to the next level. And I didn't really understand it when he was actually just saying it. 
but I understood it as I was, as my practice got better, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. As I got better at it, I could tell that it wasn't just physical, but it was mental. It yeah. was a mental shift as well. And the other thing, I mean, I know it's super cliche when you see p- pictures about teamwork and they show people rowing in a boat, but I, I rode a varsity crew for four years in college. And that really was a, that my coach there, the boat doesn't row unless you have all eight guys in the boat, right? You know, you've got to have everybody there. So if somebody doesn't show up, you're going around in a circle. That responsibility and the way that they pushed me really made me able to push myself. And, and I think that is something as, as well. And I know my limits. I'm not going to do anything that's, that's going to burn me out. But, but I think you know, that idea, of, as you've spoken about, Milka, about challenging and, and working hard at things is something I'm very self-motivated in now. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, the point, because there was a point where I was, I did two years of this and there was one year at the end where I did a little bit too much and I had got injured. Yeah. And so you can see how, if you just push it incorrectly or too, a little too much over your limits, then things don't work. Yeah. You, you'll injure right. yourself. And I think that goes with you can kind of mentally injure yourself by burning yes. yourself out by, by doing things. Yes. So I think it's, exactly. it's you know, kind of having that, being able to govern yourself in that way is, is, a, is a critical skill. So tell me about lessons learned. It is about kind of growing within your, in your, in your own pace. I, some of the advice that I've gotten in terms of lessons that learned, I, I think one of the best lessons I ever got, and it sort of goes to what we were talking about, is saying no. I think mm-hmm. what happens, you know, we're, we're, we kind of perceive that being a pleaser and saying yes to everything, I can do that, I'm sure, is a good thing. And I think particularly when you're early on in your career, you want to say yes to people. And I think really the, the moment that my, my kind of mentor at the time said, John, it's all right to say no, was really liberating. And it really what it did is it allowed you to kind of get the confidence to say, no, I, I, I can't take that on right now. If I do take that on, this is going to suffer. So I think that is one thing that I learned pretty early on, I think I was fortunate to learn it early on, that really helped me kind of manage myself and manage my, the happiness of those that I was you know, trying to work with. Because it's easy to juggle one ball, somebody throws you four balls, and they're, and they're all falling on the ground. So, right. so that, you know, I think there is a limit to, to kind of what people can manage. So that idea of saying no is something that I think is, is a skill that is a lesson learned. Yeah, that is so true, you know, especially starting my entrepreneur career. I would say yes to everything that came my way. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And now I'm more discerning and saying, do I really want to take this on? This is yeah. going to be this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being able to say no is one of the most important things because then you're just won't be able to do anything. Like you said, yeah. you have all these balls and which one are you going to try yeah. to catch? Right. Yeah, so, it's also balancing out, you know, the things that you're going to do that what are the projects you're going to take on that you're going to make money from? What are the ones that you're going to do to kind of do great work on? What are going to be things that you just really believe in and you want to, want to help those? And kind of, I think kind of calibrating all those is instead of just saying yes to everything or it's really important to be able to kind of use those judgments. Exactly. So tell me what's next for John Bernsteel? Is it like in the next five years? The what? next five years. Yes. It's interesting. I mean, in terms of Doe Anderson, our ambition is to, we don't want to grow just for growth's sake. I think that's the uh, MO of, of like a cancerous cell. I think what's been really nice is that we've got the agency running well. We've got it to a place where, you know, for me, what I want to do is leverage Doe Anderson's stature in the community to do things that are going to help enhance the community. I mean, we've had a lot of challenges in Louisville. We've, you know, we've got a, 
our headquarters here. We have we've opened a, another office in Columbus, Ohio, but you know most of our center of gravity is is here. And so it's been really nice for us. And we've always encouraged people to be be really involved in in the community. And so I think you know I want to keep working on that because that is that is something you go through life and your phases are, you know, you're doing it for yourself and then you, you're, you know, you're working for your company. And then I think it really is you're working more for your society and your, and your legacy in that way. And so, you know, some of the things that we've worked on together with Kentucky college of art and design, I mean, to me, that's a real passion for me to get this, get this, you know, really thriving and in, in, into the next phase. Cause I think it's something that's a legacy that, that I think will help a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I just want to mention John is the chairman of the board of KiCad. I mean, I know you haven't been there for a long time, but you've done an amazing job just in the few months that I've been part of KiCad. So I so appreciate everything that you do for the community. And I know that as a designer and you work in an advertising agency, there's a responsibility to show how important and value add, you know, that we give compared to any other career. It's really overlooked. I mean, people can see the, the you know, you hear so much uh, of talk about STEM and that's certainly important and people do need to be skilled up in that area. But I think some of the, some of the soft skills, some of the grace that kind of you, you need to have as a society is really, and beauty that I think we need to have is really important. And I think that, I think maybe we're almost kind of falling into overcorrecting into, you know, the science and engineering side of the, of the spectrum. And I think that there definitely is a need for arts and creative thinking, education for people who don't necessarily want to look at things and be comfortable in the gray area. And I think that is, we need to raise citizens who, who can do that because we deal with a lot of gray area. We I mean, just look at the past couple of years. I mean, we've been swimming through a fog that we didn't know where it was going. And so I think that's, that's important. A lot of people clearly struggled with that. Yes. Experience. Yes. But you know, as we think about, and I think, um, Daniel Pink wrote a book around this, is the the right and the left brain, you know, mm-hmm. how we organize our thoughts and really using both of those sides to make a better world. And what better than science and art or design yeah. and branding to really be combined and use that as a as a strength. And we see that here. I mean, I never would have thought that we, you know, we would have needed to hire a PhD in analytics in an ad agency when I first started in this career, but that's what we've got now. You know, it's, it's, it's what we, that's what we do. And so it is, you know, everybody's got to, got to work together and trying to kind of fit all that together, how it, how it harmonizes is, is really important. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, where can we reach you? Where do people get a hold of you, find you? Where are you? I'm, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky on 4th Street, 684 South 4th Street. At Doe Anderson headquarters, I'm the guy who, you know, throughout COVID kept coming into the office. I kept putting on a button down shirt. I kept shaving just because that's me. And I know how I operate and I kind of need to be that just to stay on that wheel. My email is jayburn still at doeanderson.com. And certainly anybody's free to reach out to me at any time. I love to make new friends and reconnect with old ones. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, by the way, I saw the picture of you on Doe Anderson, the, the fake yeah. I try to get into Snapchat. You know, I think I think we all have to keep uh, stay curious and explore those things. It was it was my kids who who kind of keep me in tune with with that space. More. <laughs> yeah, children will definitely keep you in tune with what's going on in the world absolutely. in the moment. <laughs> no, it's a whole different world they're, they're, they've got that going on there. So. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for your time. I know you're a very busy man and have many things, but I so appreciate you and what you're doing 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's great. It's great to have talented people like you in the community doing, doing what you're doing and, and being a part of trying to make it better at Kentucky College of Art and Design. So I appreciate working with you on that. You've been terrific. Thank you so much. I so enjoy that. And the two boards I'm on, I fully, fully give my 100%. I love both of them. And I'd do anything for art and design. Excellent. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening.